What's up? You are now listening to Americanized, a storytelling podcast where you'll hear from eclectic first and second generation Americans share their stories and real life experiences as children of immigrants. And you have entered the Blunder Love series. Now, the Blunder Love series is all about interracial relationships, mixed couples, essentially people who don't look the same or share the same cultural background coming together to form this bond. And I call it Blunder Love because I was inspired by the smoothies that I've been making. And it's a mixture of these fruits that come from different places and grow differently and have different backgrounds similar to people with different cultural backgrounds. You bring them together into this blender and you mix them up and you blend them and they become one, they become one unit. Mirroring those relationships with people from different backgrounds who look different and are racially mixed and create something beautiful and if we're talking about smoothies, it's tasty and it's delicious and yeah, that's blender love. That's not to say that all smoothies or all relationships are rainbows, unicorns, and sunshine. There are definitely the challenges that come with and in the series I, I talked with a few people who are in these interracial relationships and are experiencing a lot of similarities but a lot of differences as well so it's really interesting to see the range of experiences especially with the range of cultures and ethnicities and backgrounds coming together to form this beautiful thing in this episode you will hear from miguel landestoy share his experiences of being in one of these beautiful relationships Hey everyone, uh, my name is Miguel Landestoy. Uh, I'm a musician, arts administrator, educator, podcaster, the multi-hyphenate thing that all of us people of color do um, here based in Boston. Um, my podcast is called Play Black and we're actually in the middle of creating a series, or not creating a series, rather, um, publishing a series <laughs> called uh, The BIPOC Artist Hour that is just uh, getting started this last week. And I'm really excited to be here with the Amer- um, amazing Rosalind. Thank you. That sounds like a lot of fun, your um, podcast. So what what's your content? Yeah, it's kind of a combination of things. So Play Black itself is like um, arts and culture from the perspective of two artists of color. So we're, I'm, 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 I'm a musician. My co-host Jay is a musician, a writer, as well as a uh, arts administrator. Uh, and we both kind of tackle the things that we watch and the different media that everyone kind of takes in from that perspective and try to let people know kind of insider things like that. That's awesome. I love those spaces for people of color, especially black people, um, black creatives. I was just at a open mic event last night in um, Roxbury, which was super fun. And I just love that space and how inspiring it can be. It was hosted by Nubian Square Open Studio for the Arts. Yeah, I'm no, familiar. There, there have been a, a ton of really great stuff happening in Rothbury that I'm, I'm really excited about. They're about to open a, a jazz club. Um, oh, but which is I think it's uh, Jazz Urbane is taking a part of it. Um, a lot of Berkeley pro- professors are also taking a part of it, which um, I'm excited. We need a, a new jazz club. Uh, I'm a jazz musician, by the way. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. I'm always looking for a nice jazz club. I feel like the ones that are in Boston are like pretty old. 
<laughs> not not super modern or current. I mean, still good music, but I feel the scene is just old and not um, as far as diversity goes. Not super diverse. For sure, post post pandemic, it's tough. Before the pandemic, there was a couple of nights at the the most notable jazz club in Boston, Wally's, that were specifically like neo soul, hip hop, R and B nights that were super diverse and really cool. But uh, you're right. Outside of that, it's a uh, it's a little uh, old and white. Quite old and white. <laughs> yes, I did check out Wally's on my birthday, and it was a cool scene. Um, they were doing a Latin jazz night. Cool. Very cool. Which was yeah, pretty cool. So we connected over Reddit. Um, me trying to find <laughs> love Reddit, find people who can identify with being in a mixed relationship i guess interrelation interracial intercultural inter whatever you want to call it i feel like it's so common now it's not so much a taboo although no i would say everyone is at peace with it now as opposed to like decades before so i want to hear about your perspective and we can dive into some questions and more things that you were interested in talking about for sure. So, um, for all you folks out there, my name is Miguel. So you, you probably hear that I'm some flavor of Latino. Um, I'm Dominican. I, I'd consider myself Afro-Latino. I'm the first uh, person in my family born here in America. Um, uh, there's, you're not going to see any video. So, but like, I'm a fairly light-skinned cat um, uh, when it comes to the the colors uh, uh, spectrum, I guess. But um, I do. I, I, I know I've, I've held some pieces of the black experience as well as some pieces of the Latino experiences, which is why I use uh, Afro-Latino. Um, I do have a white partner, uh, which is somewhat taboo sometimes in our culture. Um, uh, my, my partner's name is Kelsey. Uh, they use they, they them pronouns. And uh, I've been with them for seven years. My gosh, which is pretty wild. Um, and it's an interesting thing uh being the first uh generation of your family in america because you're kind of constantly between two worlds like what your parents expectations are your family's expectations you're um taking in of what america even is um with no real no really no backup <laughs> or an understanding of what that like looks like uh and navigating it from there so it's been uh quite a journey but you know all good things so far nice that was well said totally relatable um me also being a first generation from uh, ivorian family so i feel like what you said about expectations as funny as you know your parents have expectations for you expectations for the country of america right and how you can they intertwine those but then not really the expectation of well america is uh predominantly white country so right the likelihood of your children ending up with a white partner is pretty high yeah <laughs> and that's that's not expected i guess it's like a totally. huge shocker i don't know how your family if or when and if they've met your partner what that was like for you um my pa my parents have always been fairly supportive of my relationships i guess um yeah, my, my partner is like well integrated into the family at this point. Um, 
so it's not really like taboo or anything but like how we go about uh our our relationship as far as like um living together not being married or like the different way we interact with our families i'm very involved with my immediate family i'm constantly helping out constantly checking in and um not that it's like a lost care or anything but it's definitely a different way to my partner and how they kind of relate to their family a lot more independent which is like kind of shocking to me i don't know if you experience the same, the same thing. i don't i don't know if you're in and in, in, in an interracial relationship Oh, absolutely. I am. Um, got married over the summer. Congratulations. Partner, thank you. Partner is white, and I agree with you. I come from a big family, um, one of five siblings, and we're just super close. We're like all, like about a year apart, each of us is like back to back to back. Super wow. close siblings, yeah, and always just helping each other out, relying on each other, doing things for each other, just a lot like a cliche close-knitted family community just because you don't you don't have a well i don't have a lot of family in america outside of my immediate family so mm -hmm. i feel like the bond is just super close and um, my husband's family they're all for the most part in the u.s but all over the country and right. even his immediate family is kind of you know he has a sister in south carolina so definitely more independent and I feel like that's something that American parents do push for, as opposed to other cultures. It's very much American to be independent, doing your own thing. So any, I would, it would always be a tough balance between hanging out with, at the time, like my boyfriend versus family right. and yeah. Yeah, I think that was ex exacerbated a little bit through the pandemic too. Mm -hmm. like I, I don't know about you but like i was constantly getting like text phone calls whatsapp messages like the, the whole the whole nine about like hey you haven't seen us in a bit and all this kind of stuff and i'm constantly like hey i don't i'm not trying to get you sick for one right. two also like you know we have our own little ecosystem that we're trying to figure out over here that whole thing so i, I don't know if you experienced something similar but i think the changes kind of almost got accelerated by the pandemic as well Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because the need is just so much higher for, like, right. you know, helping out, but then isolating yourself because that's what we we're supposed to do. And anytime someone mentions WhatsApp as a, like, an immigrant, I just laugh because it's so, <laughs> so relatable. Everybody is on WhatsApp for some reason relating to their family. Big everyone facts. gets it yeah <laughs> <laughs> everyone has uh, has a whatsapp account i get yep. yelled at all the time because i only check mine like once or twice a month because i'm like constantly running around and mm -hmm. i'm like everyone's like you have to message us more and i'm like i don't check whatsapp if you want to get in touch with me just text me please <laughs> yeah it's tough because i used to be like that too but now i'm like on it i feel like almost every day because my sister uses it and she lives in ivory coast so just oh, to keep up cool. with her yeah so I used to be like, yeah, once a month, but now I'm like, and having like since visiting all my family back home, I do want to be more in touch and in contact with them. Mm -hmm. But it is still a challenge if that's not like your main form of communication. For sure, for sure. Uh, you mentioned if I don't, if you don't mind, if I can ask you a question really quick. Yeah. It it seems like you have like a a pretty solid connection to like your family in the ivory ivory coast and like that part of the culture 
I actually haven't been back to Dominican Republic in like 20 years. Oh, wow. Um, so my relationship to the island versus like who I am as like an American person is very skewed. I just haven't mm-hmm. had like the time to, maybe not the time, I haven't had the resources or like the time to build that relationship with the that culture. Um, which is also like another kind of rift between uh, me and my very, very Dominican family, you know? Right, yeah. I'm wondering, I feel like if it wasn't for specific reasons, I don't know that I would be as involved or close to my extended family. Um, but my first trip to Ivory Coast was with my dad and my two sisters in like the summer before my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And that was when I met pretty much all my family members for the first time, like oh. not even knowing their names or just and still like i don't know who was who <laughs> right, but, uh, right that was my first time there and then my older sister she ended up staying there and so i think that's why um just trying to keep in touch with what's going on over there because my older sister is there and then we went there the summer 2021 because she got married last year so we went there again and we kind of reunited and i think there's just a drive to keep in touch with them and not feel oh, like yeah. they're, I mean, yeah, they're family, not feel like they're like, they don't exist. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel that. I feel that with my, my cousins and, um, especially the, the people, uh, that are like relative to my age. Um, mm-hmm. I try to try to keep in touch, but at the same time, like life, life is moving around. Um, I know that a lot of my like aunts and uncles probably don't have like an amazing idea of who I am as a person. They're just like because uh, I'm I'm almost born, you know, in that in that way because I've I've just been here for so long and um, I've, I speak Spanish like fluently and everything. But even then, they would still call me like you don't you don't know how to speak Spanish or you're not Dominican <laughs> or anything yeah. or, or, or things like that. Which um, I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't think that's true, but I can see from their perspective how like my uh being basically divorced from the culture um mm-hmm. for most of my life uh has affected my their view of me you know absolutely i i agree with that on for my family too i don't speak french fluently and that that adds to the divide divide but yeah they don't see me as one of them and even more like i met an ivorian woman at the open mic night last night mm. and we were talking about it and you know like oh were you born here were you she was born there i was born here and um so someone else came up to us and then he was like i guess somehow i don't know if he I, I actually knew i was um like ivorian american or my family came from cotivar or someone told him but she was like surprised that he knew that i was mm. she was like i guess he thought I looked Ivorian, but she was like, no, I don't think she looks like <laughs> <laughs> that's where she comes from. I was looking at her like, oh, okay. Like there's, there's a difference, I guess. There's just some difference between being a first generation and then being like straight from the country that they can 100%. identify. 100%. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I get that all the time. Um, Jamaica Plain in Boston, for you listeners, is a very Dominican 
um, neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all from a, not all, but like most of them are from a very particular part of the Dominican Republic or a town, uh, province, I guess, called Mani. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they all know each other and all this stuff. And it's really funny when I will like walk into a, uh, a Dominican restaurant to pick up something or maybe I've, I've ordered something something through an app on my phone so like they have my name and they'll still see my last name and like an old lady will pop out and be like which one are you <laughs> like which, so which which one of your family are you and I'm like uh uh I'm Miguel's son and they're like oh my god I held you as a baby here like take your food and then like I leave <laughs> and I'm like what's happening <laughs> yeah that's funny <laughs> it's, it's wild but at the same time like I don't yeah, like it's it, it's an interesting dynamic. Like I really enjoy living in JP mm-hmm. because it's, it's just it's sometimes it's just nice to be around a bunch of people that look like you and share some cultural experiences. But even then, like you can definitely tell the folks who were like born on the island or are or have just come versus the folks who uh, kind of grew up here. Yeah, and that's such an interesting piece of being Americanized, being a first gen being born in this country with roots in a different country just those dynamics are so unique and almost uh not universal but understood amongst the people who also you know also experience that for sure absolutely um so i want to get more into i feel like i'm just diving into your personal life talking about your relationship like this <laughs> no it's worries. kind of odd but this is the episode um i like to hear the story about how you and your partner met mm. if there is one. no that that is a there is a story and it and i bet you that they would contest it if i said something <laughs> uh, different so um so i went to uh uh umass lowell for my undergrad um, and my partner Kelsey is from Lowell. A lot of students that uh, went through the like the Lowell public school system uh, ended up ended up going to UMass Lowell. Uh, they didn't. They went somewhere else. Um, but uh, a lot of their friends uh, went to UMass Lowell. So I ended up being friends with them, and we uh, we met at a party uh, of a mutual friend. Um, and. Uh, we were just acquaintances, like kind of connected through that. We were, at the time we were both seeing other people, but like years and years later, um, I was single and I was like browsing on Tinder as you do, um, and I saw that they that they were on Tinder and I was like, wait a minute, that's not, that that seems like a, a good thing, and I was like kind of debating like, uh, are we gonna match? I don't know. And then I remembered like, oh. I have their number. Like, what am I? <laughs> what am I doing? Like, we're we're like low key friends. So it's like, oh. So I, I texted them, um, and asked to hang out, and uh, here we are. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love the ending of, and here we are. I feel like I always. <laughs> That's how it goes. And then that was, I guess, seven years ago. Yeah, just about, just about. I mean, I've dated like a a a. a a bunch of different types of people but mm-hmm. um i i guess my like longest term relationships have been with uh uh white people and that's always been an interesting thing because i feel like some folks from the culture be it like um latino or 
or African-American, like maybe not look down on me, but they're kind of like, oh, you know, you only date white women or whatever. And I'm like, uh, no, it's, it just kind of ended up that way that my longest term relationships have been with um, white people, I guess. I don't know how, how to end that eloquently, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I feel like I haven't dated a bunch, but the people that I have been in relationships with have not been white. And so... Mm. And the my husband was the first person I introduced to my family as my partner, and wow. I, yeah, definitely well received. Nothing like my my parents are pretty open. They my mom always says like as long as you're happy, that's what matters, and she just wants your happiness. So like no weird drama. I'm wondering if this, if this were to be like years ago, what if there would be a certain weird dynamic i'm not sure yeah i yeah that's a good question i don't know like even seven years ago um interracial couples were they weren't rare or anything but like they were rare enough that me and my partner we, we actually came up with a little hand sign where we would see another interracial couple mm. and just be like oh check that out uh, we would um for those of you who are, who are listening uh we would kind of just rub our our uh our chest over our our heart and be like oh mm -hmm. look at that like we have there's another interracial couple over there and kind of like do the nod <laughs> i love that yeah yeah one of my favorite things to see is a couple that looks like you boston too just city is just so diverse and liberal so not uncommon yeah for sure i think the boston and its suburbs like i wouldn't say like i don't know about you uh, but my experience like growing up in like the like suburbs of, of, of Boston was like it's diverse but like if you went down south you'd see a lot more people of color and stuff like that I grew up a lot definitely around around a lot of white folks so that was kind of normalized for me mm -hmm. um have you found in your conversations that like um the people of color you talk to from different parts of the country have a completely different kind of experience of uh interacting with whiteness in that way I feel like people around the country, if they're young, I feel like young people just accept a lot. Like our tolerance is pretty high for a lot of things. Um, but older people, for sure, they definitely have a different perspective. Um, I feel yeah. like, you know, just elderly people, even elderly people in Massachusetts do have stronger views about that. Yeah. I, I got a story for you real quick. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, I just, I just remembered something. Um, uh, I, I met one of my partner's um, aunts and uncles years ago. Um, and uh, this is a part of a family for them that like uh, they hadn't seen in a while and they were just kind of in the, in the area and called Kels up and was like, hey, we're in the area. We'd love to meet you and your partner. Um, and... and Kelsey's aunt was like is like super like knew my name and everything like so when you hear Miguel you assume you know a person of color right um so but I, I guess um their aunt hadn't said um my name or anything to her husband um so we met them and uh I his eyebrows just went real high <laughs> <laughs> when when he met me totally kind just like 
kind of like looked at like, oh, I wasn't expecting that at all. And it, uh, it was just real funny. It was, it was, it was, I don't know about you, but those kind of interactions with, with white people, I just kind of laugh. Um, cause it's just, no, it, it, I think it's really funny. I agree. I think you, you have to laugh at those moments because they, I feel like white people are just really funny in the way <laughs> they interact with people of color. It's almost as if they don't know how to, which is what I've come across in like my workplace and just experiences with different white people just like there's a discomfort almost yeah especially now where like you know no one wants to get canceled i guess so Mm -hmm. they're just like oh did i say the wrong thing did i say the right thing oh no oh no oh no and they almost make it worse (laughs) (laughs) honestly it's like chill out you're good no one said anything you're fine but no that's funny or just or there's almost just like a pause a silence an awkward silence because they don't know how to receive you even though they don't mean anything by it, just like they have to take a minute to process your skin color. <laughs> That's what does, it is. does not compute. Like, uh, yeah, it's well, like it's like it's like a printer with with without the that that color ink. You're like, ah, I don't really <laughs> understand how to process. <laughs> exactly. Oh That's gosh. Funny. That's hilarious. Yeah, there's yeah. so many so many stories. I feel like when I first met, I think. Um, my husband Parker did tell his whole family that I actually wonder what that conversation was like mm. that I was <laughs> that I'm black but um no his family's great they all like I am a part of their family and it's just been so comfortable around them but I am curious about what what that was like mm. what was said what were the questions you know just out of curiosity of course right like it's it's a it's it's definitely an interesting conversation random aside have you seen have you seen the movie get out oh yes i was gonna <laughs> yes i have <laughs> um i i i don't know that movie was both amazing and exhilarating and just overall terrifying it was like mm-hmm. how many times have you been in a room with white people like hmm are they all conspiring against me i don't know right. <laughs> all the time <laughs> I think Get Out came out in 2017 and I was dating Parker in 2018 and then my first time meeting his family was like the winter, I think Christmas Eve 2018. So just as a joke, I think my whole family, we've all watched Get Out and I think Parker has too. So they were like, it was like my first time going over his house, meaning all his family, like kind of formally. Mm-hmm. So it was just really reminiscent of get out and <laughs> um you know the tea and drinking tea with his mom and i was like telling my sister like this is real like just being extra safe but also like in a joking way because get out is as fictional as it is it was really like you know you have to question inside eye every white interaction you have because of the movie big facts big facts i i watched that movie with my partner um, and they were, were, were reveling in both my laughter and terror, um, mm. just in a joking way, just being like, oh, are you going to be like, are you going to be nervous at every like family gathering from here on out? And I was like, maybe, I don't know. Like, should I be nervous? Like, what's good? Yeah. <laughs> what's going on? It's scary. It's like, there's a more level of intense because it's like people that you 
it's your partner's family so there's like a it's not just random white people like your work uh co-workers or you're in a grocery store or whatever it's like people that are could potentially be a part of your family right yeah there's a bit of a there's a, a pressure there to make a good impression but also hold your boundaries and mm-hmm. those lines cross from time to time you know like if someone says something to you out of pocket like what's the line like are you gonna be like hey that wasn't a cool thing to say or are you gonna let it slide so you don't cause a big thing and be the angry black person at the party like it's it's um there's a lot of nuance um Mm -hmm. which is why i think people of color uh tend to be really excellent social navigators because to survive we kind of we kind of have had to uh, learn how to do that really effectively absolutely yeah like code switching is also a thing and just like reading the room and then knowing like you said your boundaries and limits for sure do you have to speak on everything do you let things slide is this a conversation you might have with the person in private at like another time many layers (laughs) many layers to it totally and that's crazy it's like we can't even normally interact with people without all these layers it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And you don't really realize it until you're older and you've started to like kind of maybe educate yourself about um, microaggressions and code switching and things like that. Like that's a whole other language that even us people of color, especially first generations had to learn as we went mm. along to kind of understand our worldview. Um, exactly. And that takes time and effort. <laughs> and we it don't does. have. <laughs> I, I don't have time. I don't know. If you have, I don't have time to be doing that. Um, no, not at all. Not all the time. Mm-mm. For sure. And it's so draining. I feel that's why a lot of social interactions or opportunities to socialize, I feel they want to pass on because of the the work it takes to just be there. Yeah, just to be. Just to be is like 30% more work than everything else. Yeah, exactly. It's wild. It is wild. We will end part one of Miguel's story here, and be sure to tune into part two to hear more of his story and how we can relate to him and his experiences. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, and hope to catch you in part two, the next episode.